0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Getting the Cashflow Game with K and K. Today I got Andre Evans in the house. I'm gonna read off a sheet because I can't memorize all this stuff. Okay, this guy—I was reading about him. I knew some stuff about him. Well, number one, let's just get something else. He wakes up earlier than me. Okay, 2 a.m. Okay, so this guy's goal set. We're gonna talk about goal setting, tough life situations. He used to be a gang member. He's at the Naval, uh, graduated from the Naval Academy, did some stuff at MIT we'll get into. um, Has a podcast called Multifamily by the Slice. We'll get into that too. Um, He wrote a book. That is my property. Meetup is called Opportunity Knocks. And then the guy is just doing all this stuff. And I'm sitting here going, how do you do all this stuff? So anyways. a
1: super interesting life. I feel like he's lived 10 lives. And he's
0: not even like 60 or 70. Oh, by the way, how tall are you? 6'5". And how much do you weigh? 2.30. And it's all muscle.
2: <laughs> what are you and talking to me, bro? Huh?
0: You're talking to me. Yeah, but I'm I not 2.30 all go. muscle. That's, yeah. That's <laughs> <I mean. laughs> Dre, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Happy to be here. Wow, that was a lot. So I was, um, we, I don't even know how we met. Somebody's asking me, uh, I was like, how did we meet?
1: I don't know. We met. I think someone introduced you guys, right? Do you remember? How you guys I think
0: from? maybe
2: someone did. I knew I knew, I knew Nick. And maybe uh, Nick mentioned you, okay. we connected, and I remember we, we met up in, what was it, Mission Valley? Yep. Something like that, and just kind of kept in touch. We had followed each other on social, and here we are.
0: Yeah. Um, so let's, before we kind of jump into all the exciting stuff of multifamily and all you got going on, um, you have an interesting background, so can you kind of back up and tell us how you landed here and a little bit about your story? Yeah, I'm
2: just a kid from Chicago. When I was 12 years old, I joined a gang on the South Side, and that was really just for safety and protection and identity. Every male coming of age is going to look for someone, that some type of male role model. And for me, my biological father was a drug addict, and then my uncles, my mom's brothers, they were all drug addicts. So I really didn't have that male role model to look to. I felt closer to my biological father because there were a lot of like gifts I got from him and we looked more uh, similar in complexion and whatnot. So did that gang stint for a couple of years. And then a man that I considered my enemy at the time presented me with an opportunity of lifetime. He told me about the school called West Point, And I was like, I'm not taking orders from nobody. And I remember when I got off the bus, the bus and they're yelling at me, I'm like, who the fuck are you talking to? You know? Yeah. So as uh, shortly after that, um, I went to the West Point Leadership Seminar was a week. So they paid for me and my brothers to go. I'm a triplet. So they paid for us to go for a week, came back. And I remember just being in that environment. I felt so safe. Like people really wanted to, they cared about my leadership development and my growth as a person. And coming back, there was a drive-by shooting on me and my best friend. And that was like the wake-up call. I had been in situations like that before, but it was something about coming from that environment and then being back in the shot. And when that happened, I was like, I got to do something because- I already know what life looks like and just knowing friends and family who have been affected or killed or been in situations so i might as well take that risk of death and knock on the door and try to escape and so i did and that's where that whole inspiration piece came from because when i confronted the game, they were like listen they were in the process of beating me out, and then they stopped it. The gang leader, we call him Smoke, and he stopped, and he was like, listen, Dre, you you have always, like, inspired us. We always saw you were different. Even though you we knew that you had our backs, there was something different about you. So the, pretty much the promise was like, yo, as long as you leave this hood, leave Chicago and put on for the city, you go with us. So I left and didn't look back. And I've gone many times and done outreach, and that's where the outreach came from and giving it back to kids and, you know, my mother being my why and the South Side being my why. And I didn't go to West Point. I chose the Naval Academy, went there, and it was the ticket of a lifetime.
1: Ooh. Wild story. Yeah, that's so crazy. It's just wild. I, I, I can't imagine that, like, contrast from going from, like, the gangs in the hood to West Point and, like, how you're like, whoa, life could be really, really different for me. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that's what, changed you
2: it was and it was just I never been in a nurturing environment like that so for me when I got a taste of that I I wanted it so badly I held on to it because again on on the south side it's not that it's it's all bad I'm thankful for that experience because it made me value and even today it's my foundation but when you are in an environment where you feel like people want to see you do well it just makes you feel different
1: it's like a different type of family. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Well,
0: wow, it's crazy. And then you I was reading your uh triplet. I'm a triplet, yeah. Holy smokes.
1: So all three of your brothers went to West Point. Or you and your two brothers. So
2: Alex and I went to the Naval Academy. Alex is in Monterey right now in graduate school. He's super smart. He's like a cyber guy. Like computer science, oh, okay. whiz. I mean, we were growing up, he'd just be hacking stuff. And I'm like, you're weird.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so now that. you're like you're a genius right yeah, yeah. now he's a genius yeah, yeah.
2: mas, getting his masters in computer sound like and he's like oh bro it's easy i'm like in a head i'm like okay bro all right yeah so but he's great alex is i call him the sweetest of us three he has a heart of gold even as a kid when you're normally selfish he'd give you his last gummy bear off his bag and like wow. that's the type of guy alex is like love him to death and then anthony works for the secret service in arizona
1: Wow. So you guys, like, changed – your generation, like, changed your entire family because you have generations of people who've had drug addiction problems and all this stuff, mm-hmm. and now you you and your brothers have, like, completely changed your generation and your family.
2: And th- and that was the pact. I mean, we we all went different routes. My brothers nowhere near were down the same path I did, but they were always, like, more video game people, so they would stay in the house when I was out, you know, doing my thing. But – I think my mom kind of started that. She was always a Christian woman and solid. And it was her guidance plus my grandmother that really set that foundation of just like trying to be on the right path. And everybody in my family looked at my mother and my grandparents as like the pillar of positivity within the family.
1: That's awesome. What a great story. Did you ever go
0: back?
2: Uh, Chicago. Chicago, many times. Yeah, even when I was at the Naval Academy, I was always going back doing uh, outreach, uh, mentorship, and speaking at the schools multiple times, just trying to give back. Any is it still kind of
0: crazy there, like gangs and still a lot of problems? Or it still is.
1: Calm well known. Yeah, yeah I for know, but
2: I'm saying I like just. But yeah. it's home though, so for me, it's a different take. Like it don't really matter. I mean, that's home. My, my parents still live there, so okay. my family's still there. So yeah. I'm not gonna not go back yeah. and see them. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Do You ever talk to people that you're in gang with? Like no. Wow. Once I left, it was that's I how baptized, it goes, huh? I
2: the only and I did mention in the, not in this but in the memoir that'll be released uh I did see one of my buddies that one of my best friends that actually that I was with in that drive-by shooting with I had went back to Chicago one time and spoke at one of the high schools and he was a teacher there
1: Whoa. so that was
2: that was surreal
1: Well that's cool though to hear that a person that was in that situation with you too in that life also got out of that and he's Teaching, Teaching him, else. Yeah. and he
2: was trying to do the same thing, trying to give back, but in a different light. Yeah. And hey,
0: your mom must be proud. Yeah. I was blocking the book. Sorry, removing his pink uh, mug. His poodle <laughs> mug. Yeah, poodle <laughs> mug. It's not his. He borrowed it from Monty. We could really say it was his. Coming out of the hood and with pink. Pink mugs. Pink mugs. Yeah. Rocking it. Yeah. Um, yeah, just marinating on that. It's kind of like, it's crazy, like, I remember when I met you, you said that. I was like, oh, wow, that so, was a shocker.
1: Yeah, so how did you make the transition into real estate from the Naval Academy to now real estate?
0: Okay, ooh,
2: my buddy Keegan, Keegan Wetzel, Naval Academy graduate, supply Corps officer. We were at a Starbucks, and I'm vented to him, and I'm like, bro, until this book comes out, the memoir, that's the only thing I think I can have to change that financial narrative for my family and make moves for them. And so for me, I got my gift to write for my mother. I, I believe that everyone has said talents and gifts that they are birthed with or that they can develop. And writing was one of those things that just like art, it came natural for me. And so the same company that's produced David Goggins book, Can't Hurt Me, Who Not How, Tiffany Haddish's book, The Black Unicorn. I'm working with them now on the memoir. We'll probably release December or January timeframe. And so I was just just going in and venting to him about it. I and mean, I'm like, but even though I've got this backing behind me with it, it's still not guaranteed that it's a success. And so he was like, you should look at multifamily. And I'm like, what is that? Yeah. And so he he's trying to explain it to me, right? And I'm like, I'm still not getting it. And I think that was like God or the universe's way to like laugh at me because then, they, then he said, okay, let's just go. My my triplex is down the street in Bay Park. Let's just get in your car. We'll drive up and I'll, I'll show it to you. Uh, so we pull up, and this mm-hmm. is where I feel like in terms of God and the universe aligning. When it was COVID broke out, I was on my last deployment on on the ship. Everything's going off at home. People stealing toilet paper. I'm like, uh, what is going on? Yeah. We pulled out from sea. We're literally looking at the city of San Diego for like three weeks, just circling around because they won't let us pull in because the Navy's afraid that it'll break out on the ships and. Oh, you know, you still want to keep gosh. that national defense capability. So when we finally pull in, all the gyms are closed, which I'm like, oh, nah. Oh, uh, I
0: mean, yeah. I, mean, I got to get it. Yeah, I know yeah. that?
2: Holy. So there was one guy, uh, Grinders Gym, shout out to Grinders Gym with Dave. And he owned his gym. So he was still keeping his open and operating that. And it was a pretty like outdoor space. So it's in Bay Park. So I pull up and I remember seeing this house there and I was like, oh, man, that's a really dope house. Not knowing it's an apartment complex because it was like, you know, small. So when we pull up, I'm like, this is the same house block I parked on. Yeah. Come to find out all the multifamilies on that block were owned by Naval Academy Grants and West Point grads. Oh. And I was like, if this is not the stars aligning, I don't know what is. Yeah. So then, you know, shout out to Keegan and his love and and that brotherhood of he took me upstairs. For like another hour, he pulled up like the MLS, Craxi, LoopNet, and was just showing me multifamilies in San Diego. And my mind was just like blown. I'm like, I don't have a million dollars or a couple million dollars to do this. So like, how did you do this? And he's like trying to explain it to me. He showed me an example deal for a four unit in Mission, Mission Hills. And I left and my mind was just like shocked. And so for the next two months, three months, four months, I was just, Podcast university, YouTube university, reading everything I could, engaging in multifamily, and Keegan thought he scared me away.
1: Yeah. You're like, no, I was just quietly over here. Yeah, I was
2: just like, but I was getting it. Absorbing, yeah. absorbing. Yeah. And then the next thing I know, like I, I was started looking at deals and I closed I put an offer on a five unit in Mission Hills and then the four unit in PB that I own now. And one in the escrow, closed, and I was like, yo, Keegan, like I closed. And Keegan's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and that's where it started. And I, I swear, after we closed, after I closed on that four unit in PB, was able to stabilize it, got it to cash flow about two thousand bucks a month. The real estate journey has just taken off.
0: Good for you. Yeah. So I like to uh, back up because just on that scenario, because we are in San Diego. Mm-hmm. There's, uh, by the way, thanks for your service. Um, there's a ton of military people here. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, they always, when I start talking to them, they'll be in a home, they start with a home, and all of a sudden they go, wait a minute, I can buy a four unit using my VA? Yeah. yeah. And I can put 0% down? Yeah. yeah. And then if you're really good, you might be able to negotiate somebody to pay your closing costs. And you're like, yeah. And you're like, what am I missing? I'm like, you're not missing anything. What's the catch? There is no catch. No, 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 this can't be this easy. I'm like, it literally is that easy. So you're like- on top of what you bought, which you didn't mention, is you used a VA loan. So you put 0% down. It's it's not that simple. So
2: You could, but... You could. So you're right. The VA loan is zero down. And I think it's very applicable in the single-family space. But in the multifamily space, as you know, if I'm going to count the rental... In a market like San Diego, I feel like it's even more different. Because yeah. it's more expensive. And given the $1 million, $2 million purchase price... In order to qualify for that loan amount with the DITI and everything and the income, you have to count the income from the units. and I believe it's, what, 75% of it? Yeah, the gross, yeah. So if you're going to count that, then they are expecting you to have that three to six months worth of reserves for whatever the debt service is, and that's what gets people because people will ask me that, and I'm, and I'm trying to educate veterans, and I'm trying to have those conversations, but what weeds them all out is that part because then when you track on the earnest money deposit, which here... You know, one to two percent of the purchase price—that's that's two egs. That's you know, right out the gate. So you got to have that, and then in between all your accounts, you're looking at let's just say, total out the gate, you're gonna need at least a hundred grand somewhere to get in, especially on a two million dollar deal. Especially on a two million dollar deal, and so I think that alone weeds a lot of people out. So when I have those conversations with the veterans, I'm trying to be as transparent as possible. I'm like, look, bro, or look, sis, like this is truly what it takes, and I and I speak about it in the book that you need to have those reserves between stocks or your TSP, your Roth IRA or liquid cash, whatever, to show you have that
0: compared to single family home. You could, you could do that zero down. Yeah. Yeah. You know? The other interesting thing about just why we're talking about it um, is on the four unit, which I've called underwriters, they don't know, um, you do have to have the reserve. Um, but the crazy thing is, is I don't know why, and then nobody can answer if you buy a single family, you probably can get approved up to like a 65 DTI. Mm-hmm. But if you go four unit, I've gotten 80 DTIs approved on four units. And I I called owners like, Kenny, I don't know the algorithm. I can't, so I don't know. if you know. can
1: figure out the reserve piece yep. and the earnest money deposit. Like, and then, and, then, yeah. you and get, then the other yeah. thing is, so is many more benefits. a lot be of
0: in. LOs and lenders don't know, but I'll just give you another hack is that you also have to have property management experience. But if you don't have it, like they, they go, Well, they're like someone is like, Sorry, we can't do the loan. It's not true. There is a guideline that if you get a property manager company to manage the other three units, that's how you get it through. I had get to do the list. It. I had to list because I was in
2: escrow for four months. It was a roller coaster. Every every single week I thought I wasn't gonna make it just because they were coming up with more fees of like, Hey, you need to have this amount of reserves more, we need like thirty grand more, or they need the property manager. Or the 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 other agent on the other end was getting annoyed because we were going back and forth. We were supposed to close. And then they started hitting me with a fine. They are like, okay, we've already been at 45 days. So we're going to hit you with a $5,000 like just to continue past that and $500 every day after that. In my mind, and I talk about it here in, in the first half of the book. I'm like a lot of people I felt would have walked away from that. But in my mind, I'm like, well, no, because if I do this one deal, like Michael Blanc says, the law, the first deal, Mm -hmm. I need to do this deal. I ran the numbers. I know it's PB. I already looked at the rent rolls. I'm making $2,900 a month on two bed, two bath with a patio. And I've got a huge value add. I've got storage sheds. I've got parking spots. Like, this is it. And I was like, I'll do it. It's worth this short-term loss for the long-term gain. I'll take this hit because I know what I'm going to get on the back end from this is going to be, like a snowball effect.
1: And look at what happened too, like from 2020 to today, like yeah. your $2,900 rents are probably like
0: it's 30. Just, it's well, a, you're doing vacation yeah, rental too yeah. on some, right? Yeah, so that, going, that's the, the other half. We haven't even got to the next yeah, hack. It's, it's, it's like, it's, there's like, <laughs> we're going, okay. Hack. So let's just break this down guys. For a unit, you can have 0% down. You do need the reserves. So, and if you don't have property manager experience, you get a property manager, right? So if you can get all these hurdles, and then remember DTI can be really high. Then you do have to meet the residual income. Yep. If you can do that, then in San Diego, now you can tell them the next hack, which was, this is oh. like the moneymaker right here. You're in Pacific beach. And by the way, if you don't know that, that's probably one of the most desirable, popular, desirable destinations. If you come here to rent or if you're coming here to do a VRBO, it's one of the most popular you're vacationing yeah you're spots. Going. People kind of just go to flock to PB.
1: Not to mention it's, like, a huge, like, college town. There's, which just stands, a, lot of draw, there's a lot of different, like, draws. stands for
0: Pacific Beach, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. I did, um... Sorry. Got
1: to drink oh, out of the pink yeah. poodle <laughs> got gotcha,
2: gotcha, gotcha. The poodle's calling. Yeah, I got to get my pink poodle
1: juice.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the... There's, that's the hacks, and that's the beauty of multifamily. That's another reason why I love it over the single-family space because now you have the ability to do long-term leases. I call it midterm rentals, which is those traveling nurses and doctors and lawyers or, or corporations. You could do the short-term rental piece, and then you could even do student housing. So actually, the that's where the, I even saw the hybrid model firsthand. So when I bought the property from the previous owner, he was doing a hybrid model. Where he was doing student housing. He had relationships with the international schools that you see, like, in La Jolla and downtown. They were, he was doing by the bed. I mean, literally, you walked in each room, and he had, like, four beds in there. He was charging. The schools were paying him by the bed, just, like, straight credit, straight credit card. He was cleaning house. Wow. But when COVID happened, a lot of that stopped because then students weren't traveling anymore. Uh, and So what was left was more so than just the students that remained that didn't that couldn't go back, and just long term tenants, long term lease tenants. And so
0: well, that's uh, a good hack too, the student model. Wow, that's
2: yeah, it a good it is. Idea. So I was like, you know, there's so much you can do with it. And so for me, hybrid out half the complexes, long term leases; the other half is short term rentals. Wow. Oh.
1: Good for you. And as we all know, I mean, vacation rentals have been on fire. <laughs> fire. Right now you're on yeah. fire,
0: huh? Yeah, fire. Ice cream. Big months. Big months. Big months right now. Like 3-4 grand. Yeah. Yeah. You're making some nice park, cash, park park yeah, yeah, every month. Wow. Good for you. So I mean, that is uh so that's why I call the VA4 unit hack. You could do it on a 3 unit, but and so I think a lot of people, you know, that are and look, here in San Diego too, you could have it where there's a house in the front and units in the back. It's not you don't just have to buy people think, oh, I don't want to buy it for you. I'm like, no, no, no. There's house in the front and three in the back, back or two in the back. back. You can just live in the house and and the goal is is that you pay minimal to no to, to no to, to no mortgage. Yeah. You're you're basically there free. Yeah, so. that's
2: how the five unit was that I put the offer on. It was a how it was actually the historical property at the Mission Hills. Uh, so I was like, oh, I would have got the the break on that. With the property Miles tax. Act. The Mills Act. Yep. And then it had three units in the back. No, correction, at had four units in the back because they had the three that was the complex itself stacked and then they converted the, the garage. Bootleg, it was yeah, the bootleg. Yep. So I was like, man.
0: It's funny because uh we did one where um Stephanie's property where it was a bootleg and it was five and you can kind of sneak it through the goalie because the VA is kind of like, they don't care. They're like, ah, whatever. I called them. They're like, they're a little more relaxed yeah, they're think. just kind of like it's the lender we're not going to balk at it if it comes here if they ask us we're going to be like it's up to you guys so you kind of just if you can make it work you make it work and you might have to rip a stove out or something and then put it back but then you could have closed on and just go get a, a legal ADU you done that's what somebody would have done then you're like sweet Yep. turn around and get a, a, a commercial loan mm-hmm. mission hill is a good spot
1: so you started with this four unit. Are you syndicating now and raising money and have, allowing other people to start getting in on like some of these deals that you're doing?
2: I'm doing the mix. So I'm still doing anything with, I'll say all multifamily. So anything I could fund on my own capital, joint ventures and syndication. So I'm doing, doing that hybrid again of, of the mix. So we syndicated the 12 unit and then we I was co-GP on the syndication of a 75 unit in Texas.
1: Good for you. That's awesome. And are you kind of doing outreach to more of the people that you've served with? Or are you kind of getting investors from all over?
2: I'll say all over. And I, I actually try to stay away from more so the military side of the house because I have a couple of buddies that that's already their market and that's what they do. I and I feel like that's not, my, that's not my story. Yeah. You know, I do have the military background, but when I view myself, I think it's more than that. Like I really... I really say my real estate background and my real estate business is my business and that me being a naval officer is my second job. I call that my side hustle, if I'm being honest, just because this is more impact to people, you know?
1: So let's talk about that, how you get all this done in a day. I'm assuming it has something to do with getting up at 2 o'clock in the morning every day. Well, so Craig, like, I don't
2: it's not 2, it is 3. Okay, <laughs>
1: I was like, how does this happen?
0: Yeah. Um, when
1: do you sleep? Can you, like, let's just, like, run through your day, like um, like your morning when you wake up. It
0: morning. starts at 3, yeah. boom, go.
2: Okay, it starts at 3. I've got my planner. So I've already mapped my week out because on Sunday, the chill day, I'm already mapping out my planner of what I got to get done for the week. So at that point, I'm just getting up. I'm reviewing my goals. I'm doing some, taking a, a playbook out of Grant Cardone. And other people writing out your your goals. I saw that at the Naval Academy and even coming out of Chicago, if I write down my oh. affirmations and my goals, I can accomplish them. So I'll write down what I want to accomplish, and then I'll work. It depends on what I have to get done. If I'm writing at the time a book, I'm writing for a couple hours until probably 6 or 7 when i got to go into work. If I'm underwriting a deal, I'm doing that. If I'm working on a website or if I'm trying to boost the podcast in some way, working on the website, I'm doing that. It depends on what I have to accomplish. But essentially, I'm working for the first two, three hours, four hours of the day, going to work on base. I take my lunch to do business uh, for that hour, and then I'll probably leave base at around 4 o'clock, just about 4 or 5 o'clock. And then from there, hit the gym, got to get it in. Get it in. And then after that, you're the rest of the night some days you'll go to a real estate meetup some days I'm chilling with friends some days I'm I'm doing a little bit more work but I'll probably do another hour or two of work and then same thing, the weekends I count my weekends as work time just a part of being an entrepreneur and then Sundays is the most chill day
1: and Sundays is the day that you like map out your week mm-hmm. so that way you save that time on a daily basis just yeah, thinking about what you're going to be doing cuz
2: I kind of I'm getting up and I already know what I have to execute on so, like, just like I always carry that planner with me. So, just like when I was here with you all, I'm like, all right, I got to email Crystal. I got to email Sim- Kenny, and I'll just write it down. And I know that these are the things I got to do. I'm pretty, I did that method at the Naval Academy because your day is so compressed. You have so much to do in so little time. And we used to, and I think it forces us to be that way because for us, we have something called, like, uniform races and, um, even like child calls and all those different things. So how that will go is they make you line up on a bulkhead, which is basically like a wall. So imagine lining up on a wall and then be like, all right, changing into a uniform or even making your bed. They're be like, every morning you got to come out, take your pillowcase, put all your sheets in it, we line up on the bulkhead and we're standing out like this. And they're like, all right, everybody's out here. You got five minutes. Go. Everybody has to be back outside with your bed made military style Corners and everything, at attention. If one person doesn't make it out, we all fail. And it teaches you that if, if let's say I come out and Dre slow, best believe I've got 10 people running to my room and my barrack room to help me make my bed so we can all make it back out on time. And that time hack stuff forces you to be productive. And if you think about it, about your day, you could do time hack your day. And you just, you're just you always like, okay, I got to get this done in 10 minutes. I got 30 minutes to do that. I got this amount of time to do that. And that's what allows you to be productive.
1: That's so smart. Like, you were basically conditioned to Pretty operate much. like that. Yeah,
2: and not even knowing it. Because yeah. you, you, you finish and you're like, these dudes don't brainwash me. You know, they do not like, trick. Honestly, it's a skill tri- we should all. didn't trick me.
1: Yeah, but it's a skill we should all learn. Like, that's, like, something that people should learn in school, honestly. It's just a light, a valuable life. Skill.
0: So let's get this straight. You got in, bought your first property in 2020.
2: December, I close Christmas Eve.
0: And so today it's August 5th, not even two years. You started a podcast. You wrote a book. You have a meetup. And you've done, I mean, your website's awesome. I mean, by the way, you
1: land. have like 98 units, right? Is that 98 total? Yeah, yeah.
0: and, and you, you still have a job, and you still eat pizza every Friday. That's right, Can't and that. that's why it's multifamily by the slice. We're gonna get there. Yes. So, I have to ask you then, because I think I think uh, the reason why I get up early is the same thing. Because if you want to comp, if you want to accomplish more, and I tell people, you know, like people, somebody said a friend said he he gets up at five, and he said, hey, he was doing something like. He DMed me he said, hey, I realize if I get up five, I get an extra month or something in the year. He goes, "But you're getting up at this time. You get two months more in ever, a year. You ever heard that
2: speech that Kobe did? It's similar to that. He talked about how he gets up at four, and that's he outworks everyone, right? But if you think about it, he, he basically explains in the interview that after a year, it doesn't matter if any of the other players in the league get up early. He's already got a year or two years over them because of the fact that he got up at four o'clock every single day. That's why.
0: nuts. Yeah. It was funny. I was listening to somebody and they
1: always said about Kobe too. Like he was always practicing in the off season and like yeah. he was always there like at the same time. And then um, there's, there's somebody, a, some coach wanted to come and meet him one day. So he thought he'd be like 15 minutes early and get there before I'm warm up. And Kobe was already there. Hey, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. like,
0: dude, he's like, what's up? He's already sweating and playing. He's like, you're
1: and like he said, I'm not the best player. I just outworked that's everyone. Sure.
0: I, I didn't know his story until I heard him. like, Kobe was like, first time he played, he's like, I didn't score one basket all summer. And then he's like, I came back and he's like, well, how do I get good? He's like, well, who's the best guy? That guy, how much does he train? He trains two hours a day. Okay, I'll just do four hours. He came back, best player. He's like, whatever you're doing, I'll just do more. Mm-hmm. That's what we can do. Yep. If you're not smartest, if you're not like your brother- Hacking yeah, if, you, the, if you're not on Alex's no, level, you got
2: yeah, to, I'm that guy. I take a yeah.
0: long time to learn stuff. So
2: I know I got to put in extra time.
0: That's pretty much me too. That's why I say, I'm like, it doesn't, you don't have to be uh, smart to make money or do things. You just, it's called get up earlier or hack. Mm-hmm. How do you hack it? Yeah. yeah. So basically what, so when you do all this, what do you think your strength is then? Like, what is your strength in to get all this shit done? Is it discipline is it goal setting? Like because I don't know if it's just goal setting because you just have to do it, right? Like
2: my mom, my family, it's it's the I can, why. I, it's the why. I can care less. I don't. I don't want to be Grant Cardone. Grant Cardone. What I find is like everyone wants to be him. No, I want to be Dre Evans. Like I don't. I can give two shits about owning a thousand units. I don't care. At the end of the day, I'm trying to continue to break the financial narrative for my family. There are not. There are a lot of people that come from my situation that ha- that have not had those opportunities and are trying to figure out a way. And so I believe, as J as J Cole has said, like you only have so much to rock the mic. Like you only have a lot that amount of time to have that impact. And while you have it, you have to use it. And so for me, I know that if if I do things right, I impact my brother's lives. I impact my mother's life. I impact whenever I do have a family, their lives, and then the people that I can inspire. And that's the shit that matters to me. Not the, how many units I have. This is just the foundation. The, the The true passion I have is for writing books. The true passion I have is for the outreach. That's what I love to do. So I need to get my stuff together here with the business to the foundation. So it gives me the, Greatest return you could ever have is ROT is the return on time to then go back and give back. Like that's what matters. And, and spend time with your family and friends and your loved ones and free up their time. Because again, if I make moves, then they don't have to work. So, and that, and that is what drives me. And, and then, you know, cause even my brothers are like, why are you, when is it enough? And I'm like, you're missing the whole point. I'm doing all this shit for you all. You just don't get it. And when I explained it, cause one time I and my brother were on the phone, the secret service one, and I'm all about being transparent with people, so I don't care. I share a conversation I had personally about my with my brother, and he's like, Dre, like I feel like you're putting yourself under so much for no reason. I'm like, No, bro, you don't get this. I'm doing this for you all. I'm doing this for freedom. Like, do you want? Look how much you travel with the Secret Service. Okay, great. It's it's great that you see the presidents and the congressmen and all that. That's a blessing. Yes, I, I salute you for that. But you're miserable. You literally in a the day, they're like, go to London. And then you come back and then a day, go to D.C. Not job. You hate that. So why do you, I, and I hate that. I've been in the military. Like, I miss my brother's Secret Service graduation. And I'll never be able to repeat that. Now, I imagine this, as an officer, the sales I was leading, I, re, I used to look at them and look at their faces. And how do you, how do you, how do you, that's tough to lead that when I don't even have kids. I don't even have a family and they are missing their daughter's graduation or their birthday or their wife's anniversary or whatever may be, or their, her birthday. And it's like, at what cost? The military is great. Like, again, I, the service is great, but being real, the military will take and take and take from you. And if you don't figure out a way to get something back in return, you look in that 20 years, you want nothing to show for it. But they would have taken all your time, and taken you away from your family. And for me, I was like, that shit's not going to be me. I've already felt this before. And I know how I felt when I, my grandmother passed away, my other wife, and I couldn't attend the funeral. That shit's never happened to me again. And So that was why I had that fire in my stomach, because I'm going to do what I got to do to be financially free. So I can cut ties from the military and be like, I don't I don't need this. You know, I'm never gonna miss eventful moments in life because I know from Chicago life is too short.
1: Whew. Wow. Yeah, the military gives you an opportunity, but you have to take it and run with it. Yeah. Instead have, of getting complacent. Yeah, you know,
0: since as, as you were saying, there, I was thinking of a couple things. Um we had the privilege to uh I'm sure I'm sure you'll know the guy. If not, then um Ed Milette. Yeah. Power mind. of One More? Yeah. So two, three weeks ago, we were in Vegas, and uh, this event that this guy know through, and he came on stage. Um, I know a lot of people that know him personally, never saw him speak. Everybody's like, best speaker. And obviously, he has tons of money. And then um, The Power of One More really came from his dad that died. Mm-hmm. Um, and so his dad, kind of short story is his dad he grew up with his dad, and his dad was an alcoholic for a lot of his life. And then his dad finally basically, his mom's like, either get your shit together or get out. And his dad basically said, You know, I'm gonna try one more time here. And he got sober, and then he was sober for thirty five years. And so, um, Ed Mylett uh gets on stage and a lot of the, you know, you kind of know this because you heard this, and then he said, Um, my dad passed and then uh He's like, I'm going around in his room and stuff, and there's all these note cards, names, and dates. like, What the hell is this? And he goes, his mom. She goes, well, you guys didn't know this about your dad. He goes, what is this? He goes, there's thousands and thousands of names. He goes, those are all the people that he helped.
1: So he had these note cards and he would like remember to call, congratulations on being sober one more year, happy birthday, like all these people. And then so basically after his dad died, he had all, like Ed would run into people here and there that would say like, your dad changed my life. He called me every year, like on the anniversary of being sober, of my sobriety and, you know, cheered me on and was always there for me. He never missed like a like he never missed. He was just always so he had all these note cards that he would keep track. As, oh, of, so, uh, and so and and
0: so Ed that was his best friend. He never knew it. And so out of his dad's death, the reason why I bring this up is because this is your why. You know your why. And out of his dad's death, obviously Ed Malott has plenty of money. Everything is this book came, the power of one more. And that's why Ed said is I wrote this book. I don't know if I'll write another book for five or ten years because I have there's this event in my life. And he said. And so this speech that he gave was about power of Amor, more. But what he's talking about is that there's one, there's always one person in the family. There's one person that changed the trajectory, or if yeah, I can say the word the trajectory. right, trajectory of um, of the family. Of your family. And he said, yeah. and so he was like, "That's me." And he goes, "It is. It's not just monitor. It's not me." He goes, "It's for my daughters. It's for my cousins. It's for my brothers. It's for my mom. It's for it's for the friends." And he says. And he recently had his kids on. That's what they're saying is like, everybody looks up to my dad, and that's the guy, like, you're the guy. And so, you're the guy in your So, family. I'm sitting here thinking about um, this. And I'm like, we're watching a speech, and and Ed was really emotional that day. And he's like, man, I hate giving the speech. It's painful. But I mean, he would just stop in the room. And I mean, people were bawling and crying. And so, I just, there was that moment there. I was like, you're, that's what we're saying is there's the one person in the family, like, you're the one person. You know what's crazy that you that you said
2: that? I had a call this morning at 6 a.m. with a guy because I'm going to hire on some executive assistants. He said that exact same story this morning. And so I'm a person of, like, the universe and, like, God putting things together. And I think there's a reason because he literally said the same exact story,
0: same <laughs> book, everything, and then you are saying it now, and it's the same day. I mean, this book, he wrote this book, to change people's lives. Yeah. Ed's like, I'm here speaking. Do I get paid? Yes. I don't need the money. He doesn't need the money. He doesn't need any of this anymore. He can just go sit on the beach and be like, I'm done. Right. But his with his dad, he's like, no, my dad didn't tell me for 35 years he was changing lives with making zero money. His dad didn't care about the money. I'm going to now change lives. I love that. Powerful. I love that. So if you haven't seen the speech, I'll send you, the. I'll send you, not the one I had, another one, I'll, I'll hit it to you because it's, when you're chilling Sunday, it's powerful. Okay. The second thing I was thinking about is, uh, we're right. We're, we're coming up with a course. So we're writing a course. She's been working on it forever. Nice. And, um, I was reading it this morning. I was sitting there and I literally broke out in my let speech for some inspiration. I was like, well, crystal, like you're doing this course, but I'm like, you just start like right off the course. I'm like, no, like that's not why we did this. Like, what, what are we doing here? Like, w- like the person that's reading it, like you need to grab, like, so I literally watched Ed, my lead speech. And I was like, he doesn't start a speech. Like, let me tell you what we're going to go through in this speech. <laughs> he told why he's here is the story of his dad, you know, and other stuff. So I am literally, as you're talking, like typing out this morning, and I, I, and I'm not blessed with writing, by the way, like if I had to get paid to write, I'd be living in a van down next to your house. Okay. <laughs> um, I was typing, why you that are reading this why you're here because you're tired of waking up every day and having to work to pay your mortgage and pay your bills and pay your vacation and pay this and pay that just like we were you know and that's why my thing is is like i want to wake up one day where i'm like if i go to work it's because i want to not that i have to because i put time and effort into building something it doesn't have to be multifamily it could be like building this or that right And that's what you're here. It's like, it's the military, it's this and that. And you see people every day. And we've been doing loans for a long time. And I see it. I'm like, man, if people just change a thought or snapped out of or woke up a little early and just, you know, like you is in two years, look what you did. that's what I tell people in six months or a year, two years, like what you can accomplish, with just getting up an hour or two earlier and putting some time and effort in something that you might have passion about. Like it doesn't have to be real estate. Like that's what I see in you. It's inspiring. Thank you. So I appreciate you sharing. Thank you. It's pretty vulnerable, but anyways, I just, it just kind of like that moment there. I was getting like uh, goosebumps. I'm sitting here thinking like, it's weird how you're talking about that. And today I literally was like dealing with this. I'm like, no, like you got it. It's like work, people aren't going to come to the course. They're coming to read your book or this because they want more. They need something different. They need to get out of the rat race. They need to fire their boss. They need a retirement. Pension's not going to be enough. Your military retirement's not going to be enough. It's not. You know, Social Security not going to be around. You have, but you. We can depend on ourselves. We don't have to depend on the military or the government. You can do it yourself. Like look what you've done by you just doing you, and not you, like you said. You don't have to be Grant Cardone. <laughs> Yeah. You don't. You can just be just Teddy be you. Simpson. You can yeah. be Dre. You can be Crystal. Motsi, well, like yeah.
1: Like you said, like a lot of people have that. You know, we all make excuses for things that are hard, right? And so here you are, like working. Like you've got, it's not like real estate's your only job or you, doing outreach is your only job and meetups and podcasts. Like you're doing all of this on top of working for the Naval Academy, right?
2: For the Navy. For well, the Navy. Naval Academy is just yeah. was the school. Yeah. yeah. That's so what you, you work for the Navy. For, yeah.
1: And you do all of this. On top of it. So people go like, wow, how do you do that? There's only 24 hours in a day. And you do it by getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) And working on your lunch. When most people want to go, just have lunch. Maybe
0: they'll sit on their social media for an hour. Check on Instagram, Facebook. He doesn't need to do that.
1: The way you break it down, though, is so simple. Like, oh, yeah, just like plan it on Sunday. Wake up at 3 a.m., work until 6 or whatever, and then work on your lunch and maybe do a couple more hours after you get off and then go hang out with friends. and
2: Yeah, I'm all about balance. Yeah. I'm, I think people think you're like some robot. I'm like, I'm still young. Like, I'm not trying to.
1: What time do you go to sleep?
2: Like a 11. You sleep so much.
1: you sleep four hours, pretty much?
2: Four to five. Yeah,
1: but, you, don't, you but don't require. In
2: my defense, so Alex and I, so growing up in Chicago, we lived in like a bungalow. And Alex and I will always fight for whatever reason growing up. So my mom made us share the same like room. It's a little bit bigger. And Anthony was like right around the corner. His is smaller, but he had his own. But my stepdad, he always made us keep the windows open to save money because he was always, he's very frugal. And on the south side, I mean, you would hear sh- the shootouts. You would hear Jeez. mothers spraying mace in their daughter, face. fights, you know, cops chasing people, helicopters going over. So all the symphony of late night Activities and sounds, I will always hear them because my bed, like if this is the window, my bet's right here is touching it, and Alex is right across from me, and so Alex and I would just stay up and like we would hear stuff and we would talk about it. So we kind of grew up not really sleeping much and just being very alert and aware of our surroundings. And then you go to the naval academy and in the military in general, you're already forced to be on a little kind of already sea. primed for that. Because and especially when you go out to sea on a ship. There's no work hours. It's like whatever got to be done, got to hey, be shit done. shit happens. we we'll in the helicopter control tower landing helos for like hours, like focused all night. You know what I mean? So it doesn't matter. Like now, when you're when the ship is in port, yeah, it's more a regular work hour where you might go on the ship at six in the morning or seven in the morning, and leave at like four or five. But when you're on the way, the days bleed. It, it, it how whatever it does, it is. There is no there's no set. Especially if you so have you to go to get
1: conditioned or well, you were kind of already conditioned just with it your... was
2: easy for me to make the yeah. shift yeah. because we had already been used to that. And my parents never let us sleep in. My mom was always like, after 10, you're, you're you wasted the day. So she never let us sleep in. So it was like dad. it was
0: it was I was used to that. Yeah, that's wild. Never slept in. Never. Yeah. My dad, never. Yeah. He's you know, military background, too. Just I But it. no, it's just like, get up now. Yeah. Here's your list. <laughs> yeah, yeah. on it. the weekends she knows
1: what are you doing to be productive yeah, yeah. is that the most Kenny, productive Kenny thing you can do list? oh we yeah actually, all, all of, uh, we tease Kenny and his friends tease him about the list oh god Kenny's got a list, list. Weekend, yeah <laughs> <his> list. cross <laughs> that yeah. You off you know
0: yep. yeah so um, wow just crazy just kind of uh, it's just you know I just think well you know people might like, well that's what I was thinking about oh I have kids have this I'm like okay well he doesn't have kids, but I have kids. I still get up early. So it's just, it's, I just choose. It's like funny when, I, you know, Chris, people are like, oh, how well, late you stay up. I'm like, it's just when I fall asleep. What do you mean? I'm like, dude, I'm like, when I get to bed some days, it's 8, 3, why? I'm like, I'm exhausted. If I, you're not hitting the pillow exhausted, then you're just Good not. Enough. You're not. Yeah. And so Crystal knows, hey, you want to watch a movie? Sure. Hey, how are you doing? Um, then I'm out. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Like, so, well, so much for that hey you want to go to dinner sure what time five what about eight eight dude eight i'm half dead like now like it's like why eight I, you get up early right yeah. so i just think like the sacrifice and it's cool that you've done all this so i want to kind of transition and talk about um talk about the meetups in san diego i think that's awesome okay. um when did you start those uh what's that kind of about i know we're we're doing one this month which is cool super cool excited to do that with you
2: yeah um Opportunity Knox. So Jennifer Sentoso, she's a mortgage broker with, with Toro Capital. She started it, and it was just called Opportunity Knox. Uh, they didn't have a logo. They didn't have anything. And she had about maybe 20, 25 people coming, and she did did it every so often, maybe every quarter or so. And, you know, Jennifer and I met actually at her meetup in Del Mar. It was my first real estate meetup. And we kind of connected, kept in touch. And then one random day, I was in Phoenix visiting my brother. and She called me. She said, hey, Dre. I know you've been talking about starting your own meetup but you want to just take opportunity knocks. At least you'd have 20-25 people to start with and I'm yeah. like, shit, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> and so took over the group, um did a whole rebranding, had a logo created, we brought in, you know, over 8 sponsors and they were paying for like our venue, drinks, wow. media production, marketing. Ah. And we truly transformed it. And now we have on it. have what the meetup app is what we use. We have about 572 members total in it. And we have about 80 to 100 people at each event. And we used to, we were going every month, but that can be a lot sometimes because for us, one of the things that made opportunity mocks meet about that would unique about the other meetups is we bring in speakers. It's not more of like a beers and deals. Cause that you can kind of like fire and forget. And we shifted to every other month, and I think that worked well for too, because now people look forward to it. It helps with the turnout, and now we can thoroughly vet and pick people and guests that really add value. And I'm very picky about that. Like if we're gonna do it, we're gonna do it all the way. I don't want to just throw somebody in there and then as filler. Yeah, yeah, and then people yeah. come out and be like, that shit was trash, Dre. Like you wasted our time. <laughs> I don't want that. You know what I mean? I wouldn't want to feel that if I come out. So I try to put myself in people's shoes too, and that's where we're at with the meetup. So it's been a blessing. We've got a team. Shout out to the Opportunity Knocks team. Corey, Jasmine, um, uh, Cameron Stewart, uh, Jason, everybody. Like, they're all awesome. They're uh, so good, for you, dude.
0: Congrats. So
1: cool. And Great. how long have you guys been doing Opportunity Knocks? A couple of years? I've been
2: doing it for about a year
0: like they started like in COVID Honestly, too. <laughs>
1: with events because it it's hard because it's work like mm-hmm. you said you got to try to find speakers you got to get everybody together you got to book venues like congrats for keeping
0: yeah we were going. we were on a roll and then i think i can't remember in the 2019 or 2020 we had a good one the rent control one and we were like excited and then COVID came and i just kind of like that i'll oh, put it on hold now we're going to start back mm-hmm. I'm excited, but... But it's um, a lot of work. It's a lot yeah. of, a lot of work. Yeah, but yeah. it's like, we just kind of, in uh, COVID, we just like that, ah, you know, because it was just, I was like, yeah, people aren't going to go there, but that's awesome you started in COVID. Um,
1: and if you can do it then, it's like, how big can it be once right. everybody's kind of like over it now? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then podcast. So... How did that, like, let's talk about the multifamily by the slice. How'd you come up with the name? And then how'd you start that? And then what do you guys talk about? I know it's multifamily, but what are you guys talking about? Who are you kind of interviewing on that show?
2: Well, as you know, it's no surprise I love pizza. (laughs) I'm a true kid from Chicago. Pizza will always be my heart, my number one favorite food. And I I think, again, it's funny how things align. I was doing the motivational speaking and never thought I'd have a podcast. And so one day something was like, I want to start a podcast. And I was like looking and it just came to me like multifamily bought a slice, have a pic- picture with pizza and buildings coming out, out the, out the pizza slice. And we had a lot of local mock-ups and eventually we landed on the one we were doing. And so I got my co-host because I was recording the first 20 episodes and I was just going to do a whole launch. I'm just going to drop, drop maybe five and do like two a week. And I was interviewing Ike. And I met him at a real estate meetup here in San Diego. And we saw each other a couple of times. And so I was like, come on the show, bro. You own in Ohio. You own in Arizona. Like, come through. And so we were on the show and we finished. And I was like, something in my gut. And I've always been a gut person. It's It's been like that other sense for me that I, that I used a lot to get out of sketchy situations in Chicago. And something in my gut was like, ask Ike if he wants to be the co-host." And so I just straight up asked him. And Ike was like, I would love that. And I'm like, all right, bro, we'll do two episodes. We'll see how the vibe is. I'm a vibe person. See how we like it. And if it vibes and we rock with it, we'll rock with it. If we got good energy, we'll do it. And the vibe was dope. It was almost like I was never overcutting him. He wasn't overcutting me. It was like we were just so synergistic throughout the whole show. And I was like, like yeah, let's do this. So then we went back to the artist and said, redo the whole mock-up. Put Ike's photo on it. We got pictures done. And we it's been great. I love working with Ike. He has a unique perspective to things, and I think that makes it cool. Similar to you all, like everyone has a a unique way they think about things and their insights, and no one person knows it
0: all. Yeah. So yeah,
1: brings a different
0: perspective. Yeah, it's amazing. Just, just today you have a conversation, you walk away with learning something. That's why I love about it. Right. Like if it's one thing, that one thing you know can just make a difference in your life.
2: Yeah, I always so Ike. I feel like Ike's smarter, right? He like his family. Is from a, a real estate background. Like uh. his dad had it, so he'll sometimes be like saying these big vocal words and like be doing shit in the show. And I was like, "Okay, bro, like, <laughs> you got it, you got it." It's
1: also kind of cool though, too, because you're like a San Diego based investor, and then he's invested in other parts of the country. So it's cool to have like both perspectives yes. on your show.
2: Mm-hmm. And we're in different mastermind groups too. And that's the other plus is we're not ne- we're not tapping into each other's network and the things that we're learning and the things that we're discussing and seeing. So like you mentioned, it's just great.
0: Cool, cool. you're in a mastermind or yeah, I've been a few of them. Nice. You like those?
2: I love them. I think I might uh, join a new one that got presented to me and I'm excited for that. But the three that I am in, I've been good.
0: Nice. Are they local or?
2: They're not local. The, a lot of it is like online and and through zoom calls and all that stuff and just physical phone calls different app applications. So not meet up in person or? No, not okay. meet up in person. That would okay. be amazing if I could find one that is more meet up in person.
1: What do you feel like you get from the masterminds? Because I feel like people come to us all the time. Kenny's in a couple masterminds and they're always like, is it good for you? Are you guys getting value out of it? Like, what do you think? Like, because I think a lot of people, there's so many people who are like, I mean, like they're kind of like in this world, right? They're like part of this crew that's in all these masterminds doing things. And then there's a lot of people who are kind of like, on the sidelines thinking about it, think it sounds good, but they're just not sure. What do you feel like you've gotten out of masterminds?
2: I think it's just like getting started in real estate. You got to meet people halfway. I think people come to the mastermind with the expectation that, oh, I'm just going to come in here willy-nilly thinking that they're supposed to provide everything or they're going to like yeah. hold your hand. And I'm like, that's not the case. It's just like when you go to a meetup for the first time. And I actually did the recent post we did on, on Instagram was about that. You need to learn the vocabulary and the concepts before you go to a meetup or any mastermind. Because think about it how are you going to go to a mastermind? And they're talking about NOI and equity multiple and debt service and whatever. And they're throwing terms at you, which for us is a general conversation. If we're talking about Monster Family, everybody knows NOI and Cab rates is the bread and butter. And if we're having a conversation about it and it's all going over your head, how are you getting value from that? But it's different when you have, when you understand the vocabulary and you understand the concepts and then you can come to that mastermind or you could come to that meetup and have those conversations. And now your questions are more pointed. Mm -hmm. Now you can get even further because stuff that you could have found out on your own, if you just sat down and educated yourself and not been lazy about it, then you can come and now you can ask advanced questions about more insight stuff that you couldn't have gotten on your own. And I think you're really shooting yourself in the foot Cause you only have one chance a lot of times in these mastermind groups. And when you meet people to make that first impression and especially someone that's more of a seasoned, or more senior operator, it's always sometimes like, yeah, I believe that they can see something in you. If you got that fire and you got the hustle, I think most people would respect that. Mm-hmm. But aside from you, them getting something from you, you know what I mean? But if you come in there and you just don't know nothing, like, What do you, what do you do with that? And it's the same thing on mastermind. Like you're, you're, you're not helping yourself.
1: Yeah, I feel like masterminds are like a place where everybody brings something to the table. Yeah. You know, like everybody brings a little bit of value. And so maybe I bring a value that you didn't know about and vice versa. And so I feel like the like synergy of masterminds is so powerful because we're in our little world in San Diego. And mm-hmm. you have your group of friends and your group of people that you're, you're networking with. But there's all these other people in the world that you can might not know that bring all this other value and like these unique perspectives. And so that's where I see the value. um, Especially like what Kenny's gotten, he's, he keeps in contact with so many people in different areas and is, I mean, we've been in real estate 19 years. You'd think that you must've seen most of it. Right. But then you learn something new all the time. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. And it just allows you to, like you said, it, it like, it gives you that ROT, right? Like it cuts down on that time that it would take you to learn something on your own. Right
0: yeah they're cool i mean honestly um i'm part of avenger mastermind which is uh kind of a roll off from 100 mil i've heard good things about the avenger one. yeah um i mean you know a lot of the guys it's kind of weird at first because a lot of the guys you've seen on stage or this or that they're kind of in a room and so they have big personalities you know big online and then you kind of have to break through that because everybody's kind of like sizing everybody who the hell is everybody in here and then you have
1: to be really like forward and like engaging with other people you can't be the shy person in the room.
0: Yeah, yeah yeah and then it's your ego if you think you're a badass um and you walk in a room that will go out the window in about five seconds when you realize you're really not you're a speck of sand on a beach especially in here because somebody could walk in the door that just you know sold a company for a billion dollars or something you're like yeah okay and so it's interesting i always tell crystal like it could be a breakfast. You're sitting there and some person comes in and I'm like, okay, well, you're not a part of the mastermind Who? Oh, I sold this company for this. And I'm this, this person on this. And I'm like, okay. And then you're in a breakout room and they're in there. And you're like, what's the biggest problem in your business? And you tell, and everybody goes around and gives you advice. And it's like a lot, we call them all characters. That's what we do. And it's amazing. Cause those are my favorite things where you get in breakouts. And it's not just monetary, it's not just business. Like somebody could be just struggling in life and you get to hear different perspectives, so. Okay, I like that. And then what I really like about it too is um, the longer I've been in it and the more I start to understand about people. So at first you you know, you know meet somebody, then you follow them and you're like, okay, you do this. And then you start realizing like, wow, they're a badass, but they might not have this big brand like somebody else. So they're not out there. Um, and then you start realizing, wow, they're good at this. And then you're like, I can call you about this. 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 And you realize I've got 20, 30 people that are really good at all these things that are like, probably I don't need to go, you know, pay somebody. I can just go call them and get their advice or have them look at something or just asking about this. That's where you realize like, oh, you want to launch a course? You want to do this? Okay, well, these 10 people already have them. They're making, you know, this. Just ask them how they've done it. Just have them, they're doing this. And so it's very helpful to, if you want to get from A to B, And save a lot of time and hack it, and save the time, money, energy. You can just you know get there quicker by just asking the right questions. But you like you you also get
1: more one-on-one time or like small group settings to ask people like you said that have know a lot about the thing that you want to know about. Like when do you get that time with a lot of those people?
0: Yeah, you You just have to you know you got to just if you're an introvert person you're not comfortable like even at the meetups. I always tell people like just walk up. And say hi. The reason why somebody is at a meetup because they want to meet people. So when you're like,
1: oh I don't know. Well the thing uh, that we uh, learned uh, with PR was more like, you're you're feeling this way. Okay. They're feeling the same way too. So just somebody's gotta break. The like eyes.
0: they're even yeah. saying like the media people, we went to see like they're more nervous than you. So just say hi, just talk to them. So, <laughs> you know, I and, and it's because I the first time I did the I saw in Crystal, the first time I walked into the Avengers, I walked into it was a hundred people. And some people, you're like, it's weird. I've seen him on stage or I've watched his podcast or this. And you're kind of like, this is kind of weird. But then it's just like a normal dude. And you just go in there and it's just like overwhelming of like, oh my gosh, where do I start here? And you're yeah. just like, start small. Just start talking. It, t- it takes time, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, So let's talk about, first of all, like now he writes a book. It's like Crystal would love to write a book, but
1: one (laughs) I'm about 70 pages in
0: yeah and she's a by the way she's a great writer so you guys are I like to
1: hammer it out though like I like to go for like a weekend and just literally write for like 10 hours a day like I just keep going I'll take breaks and go for a walk or whatever and then just come back and power through I can't do like every morning for two hours I have like a hard time with that but I feel like the most successful people that finish books do that have that same strategy You just like carve out two hours a day and so we've but done writing is your passion, right? You have that's a passion my passion.
2: Yeah. I've had, yeah. And that again, that's done from my mom. My mom's a writer. When do so,
0: you usually write morning or night?
2: Oof. I could do both. What's your best time? I think in the morning. So when you're trying to get the, the bones of it, yeah. the morning hands down, I like, so I hate the stage when I have to write it. Yeah. Because that, that's, that sucks. Um, the part I'm, I'm fine with that I can do, wee hours of the night is when I'm on the second draft, yeah. Because then the, I don't know my brain like clicks in a different way. Like I'm just editing at this point, clean, 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 clean. It's just it's getting that f- everything down that first draft. That's the part
0: that it the just, creative juices are in the morning. Yeah. You're fresh yeah. like that. Okay, yeah. interesting.
1: So your first book is that's my property.
0: Yeah. So speaking of, I'm a
2: believer in give people a bunch of value and help them and expect nothing in return. And I think also Eric Thomas is a big proponent of that. And I love Eric Thomas. And I was just going to create a free resource that was free. So when I created the first edition of this was about 140 pages, they could go on my website now and just download the first edition. It's free. And I put it in paperback because some people might want it. Physically, I love the physical books. I love the touch and feel of the page. So I'm like, all right, I'm just the same thing, giving out for free. It's on Amazon if you want to buy it, but I'll if people ever ask me, I'll hand it to them, and they can wow. go to my website and get the ebook. But we when we reached the Amazon bestseller and we got so much feedback from it, I was wow. like, I'm gonna go all out with this. And so then for the next. Month and a half, two months, I went all in. And so I was like, I'm going to grow this to 230 pages. I'm going to do a hardcover. Where We, as of two days ago, we're in all the retailers. So like Walmart, Barnes & Noble. Nice. And yeah,
0: Maria, yeah.
1: Congrats. And
2: so we're going to go all out with it. We're going to work on the audiobook. We're going to build a course from it. We're going to like do the full MOOC. But it started from that. You know what I mean? And so for some, I don't are know. Are you going
1: to do your own audi- audio book? Are you going to read your own audio book?
2: I'm going to do it for the memoir because it's the memoir for this one, I'll just, I probably won't.
0: Did you, did you ever, uh, I have to, I don't know if you're going to go there. Um, did you ever listen to David Goggins' audiobook? I did. you had you did I the podcast? We, were, we were yeah. about
2: it, yeah. Right, okay, yeah. I did tell
0: you. Okay, I was like, I, it's, I love because I feel like when we were here today, like when you talk about your story, it like stops time and everybody's like engaged. I feel like somebody can't tell those parts. Mm-hmm. I, and I, like David Goggins, when he did that, it was like so impactful. Yeah. Like, so impactful. I don't know, I just feel like you do a little that. I I, I love that. Yeah, see, that that takes time.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh,
0: man.
1: I've heard, like, so many people that, like, people who've had books and they read their own audiobooks that it's, like, the most grueling thing ever.
2: Yeah, and then, like, the quality has just got to be, and you have to set it up a certain way, and when you break and when you pause, like, there's certain requirements, and if you don't do it.
1: You got to redo it.
2: You got to redo it. So, I'll basically get there. That would be a beast, but for this, I think for the sake, I'm just trying to push the content out out. to people and get it out there to everyone. That was the purpose of it.
1: Cool. So this is, you've got your first book out. Mm -hmm. You're kind of repurposing it and adding more value and Mm -hmm. putting it out there, and then you're working on a memoir.
2: Yes, so the memoir is done. Um, We will probably launch in December or January. Right now, it looks like it.
1: Do you have ideas for other books that you plan to write? Are you one of those?
2: I am one of those. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> There's always something like once you once you write, you're like something comes to you, like, man, that would be good to add value to people. And I have so many in my head where actually the, the third book will be done soon. And that will probably launch eight weeks after the memoir. So it'll be both done, but for PR purposes, you have to split them up so it doesn't overlap. So that one will be another real estate book um but I cannot discuss that on yeah. the show because
0: you'll know why
2: and I'll bring you a copy and you'll know why
1: Well that's exciting.
0: I feel like a book for you though should be like The Power of 3 AM or something like <laughs> I don't know, like because you're just getting so much it's ins- it's it's honestly like it's um it's inspiring how much stuff you got done. Even when I was looking at your website, I looked at it before. I was like Wow. Like, and we don't say much. I'll tell you, I don't like most people's websites is complete garbage. And I know that you spent a lot of time. I was like, wow, your website is really detailed. You got a lot of stuff. I really appreciate that. You did a great job because I know that's a lot of work. Thank you. And I I said it to you guys. I learned
1: so many interesting things about you that you sang in a gospel choir. You play three instruments.
2: Me and my brothers grew up singing. Do you still sing? No, not really. I loved it. Just to the ladies. (laughs) and
0: they're
2: like no 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 um i really enjoyed that i sang in the gospel choir all four years in the naval academy uh grew up in the church like my mom and me and my brothers could always harmonize it was weird that was one thing we didn't have the whole like telepathic thing or whatever but we could harmonize and so Alex did the glee club at the naval academy and i did gospel and i I freaking loved it
0: what instruments you play
2: uh, Everything Brass. Start our trombone, baritone, trumpet, tuba. Wow. So it was, and my brothers did saxophone. And I, I, I loved that part of that chapter of my life at the Naval Academy because there was a lot of outreach to that too because we would finish singing at schools or churches, and what do you do? You're talking to the kids at that point. So it was still
0: cool to do that. Question for you. Um, Do you, when you write a book, when you're going to do any of the stuff you're doing – do you look out and say it needs to be done by this date and back up or you just go?
2: Yes, so it's funny
0: this was like
2: my marker was coming here. I'm like, I want to hand Kenny and Crystal a book today, so my marker was getting back to have it done then and I did the same thing when I wrote the memoir. I was on deployment when I wrote the memoir. So same thing, you stay up late. I'm like, I got to do two hours a day. I'm not, again, Navy taking my time. I'm going to get something back. So when I come back, the first draft's got to be done. And then same thing, you get back. I'm like, all right, now I got, I'm going to set a window for here. I got to get the second draft done, and then the third draft, and then the fourth draft, and you just go from there.
0: Yeah, I think that's what I'm noticing with people is – um. We are at this event, Neal's, he's like, I just picked a date. And get it done. he's yeah. like, I picked a date, and I didn't even have speakers. And basically, he's like, figure it out and put the money down. he's like, I didn't know if this is going to work out or not, and implode. And that's what he did. And I'm, I realized with a lot of people, you just got to put a date in there and just be like, okay, we got to figure this shit out.
2: Yeah. I know people work differently. Some people are very like, they got to plant every single thing. And I think that works great for some people, but I'm going to jump out the parachute and build Jump out the plane and build the parachute on the way down. Yeah, that is my personality. I just feel like somehow, some way, I will figure it out.
1: Seems like you have so far.
2: I I will hope so. I you know still you know still trying to get there. You know what I mean.
1: I think so, we all are, but I think you know we've talked about this so many times before. It's like if what what do we have if we don't have another mountain to climb? You know, I just yeah yeah,
2: yeah. Just, and that's my fear. Yeah, like I don't I don't really feel the. Whole gunshot death thing. I mean, you've tasted that to a degree. So, my greatest fear is like looking back on my life and feeling that I didn't make the most of my dreams and my talents. Because, you know, when you're lying on your deathbed, like you can't, I can't go tap Kenny in for me. He can't pick up what I didn't do. Like, at the end of the day, it's just me. And I think that's, I've always been a proponent of, like, cemeteries and graveyards. I started doing it at the Naval Academy because they bury all the admirals and the presidents that have graduated there. And I would always just kind of, like, walk around, and reflect, make you think about how many of these people in this graveyard are regretting right now. And rolling over their grave, like, I didn't do this and I didn't do that. And I think that that burns me. Like, you ever had a, that time where you ever reflect and you think back, like, a childhood memory or just something in life and you like, I can never go back in time and do that. Just like college. You can never go back in time and do that. Certain things you can, but certain things you can't. And it's the things that you can't that eat at me because you there's certain, a lot of things in life that you only have one chance to do it. And so you just got to make the most of where you're at. I don't know why. I, I just always come out of Chicago. That will always eat at me for some reason. And maybe maybe because of my stepdad. I mean, this is in the memoir, but he was always fearful. Um, he had a lot of stuff that he went through as a kid. And he would project that on us and my mom. And I've watched and to now, today, he regrets a lot of things. And it, again, you're like, I've always been a reflective person. I'm like, I don't want to be like that. And look how much in pain he is. Mm-hmm. Look how much in pain a lot of my family members are in because of drugs. So I'm just trying to have that balance. You know, I'm just trying to still enjoy my youth and have fun, enjoy this, the beautiful San Diego, and at the same time still take care of business and help my fam. Like, so you that's really what you're just trying to do, and so you die on e. Die on you look back on life and be like, you know what, I... I feel happy. Like I feel like I made the most of whatever it was
0: that God in the universe put inside of me, you know? Yeah, I forget who said, somebody always says, if you can't, if you're not figuring your shit out, you'll spend some time in a senior living facility. Yeah. And uh, you'll hear a lot of talk about regrets and what I didn't do. Yeah. Kind of like what you're saying
2: I mean, it's scary yeah. to just think about that.
0: Yeah. 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 And I think a lot of people, too, that are unfortunately older and stuff, it's like they just, they're just stuck in their ways. They're just, it's like, go get the help, just break through. But it's hard. You know, our generation, I think, because we have everybody's so much more out there Instagram, Facebook, you know, it's the podcast, everything. It's like, there's kind of no excuse. Like, you're seeing it real. Like, they can go read your book and your story. It's like, come on. Um, So final question we always ask, uh, what's your definition of generational wealth?
2: Being able to impact my family's life, let's just say whenever I do find that special someone and I have children, for my kids to go out and use their own individual unique strengths and gifts to give back to the world or not even or, plus in addition to changing some person's life or some kid's life through real estate or financial literacy and having them go touch another. That's what I
0: would say. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Haven't heard that one. I have not heard that yet. We always, a lot of different answers. I have not heard that one. Mm -hmm. Well, Dre, that was fun. It was great. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Good on. good podcast yeah. all over.
1: Where can people find you?
2: DrMultiFamily.com is my website. You'll have all the retailers that can buy the book there as well. The book is, as I mentioned, on multiple retailers as well. Um, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, Hudson, which you see like the Hudson is big in the airports. Yeah. Uh, at dr so that's DR. Multifamily on all social media platforms and then multifamily by the slice is the podcast so the website to the show is com.
0: you know uh before you came in i was looking at your stuff i was like wow you have just cool story a lot of great stuff going on and i would just say like congrats dude thanks like uh and
1: honestly i just feel your generosity and your yeah you're for real you do, and it's just Thank you. really inspiring yeah
0: like sitting here is probably pretty emotional for the room just because you're real it comes off so i love this
2: i i, I appreciate this. you guys it. don't do the zoom thing because yeah it's is, it's this awesome is huh bread and butter right yeah this is the true connection yeah, in person yeah and i was it's, i was telling Monty like that's so ike and i are trying to get to maybe like run a spot so we can get to this because i feel like you really get to connect with people
0: yeah it was a great podcast great story congrats on all your success and um i'm excited to uh watch you and your journey or just over the next couple years what's gonna what's what you're gonna do you did what
1: you you did in the last two years i can't imagine even what you're gonna do in the next two so thank
0: you yeah Mm -hmm. awesome